Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. It's World Mental Health Day. It is the 10th of October, and on this day, we do what we can to raise awareness of the stigma to do with mental illness. And I thought one thing that we could do is perhaps wade into truly, truly big question areas when it comes to understanding the market. And perhaps Swapnil Mishra could help us understand what's going on for a moment of Zen. He is the founder of Wealth Zen. Very appropriate person to speak to on World Mental Health Day. Swapnil, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm looking forward to some Zen here, Swapnil. <laughs> Uh, we're really putting you up to the wall here. Uh, our first topic is so fascinating. It is about this company that believes it's launched an anti-ESG in line with its beliefs, anti-ESG ETF. Uh, Strive Asset Management has launched this ETF, anti-woke ETF, it says. And it says companies should be focused on whatever makes the most money, not on any environmental, social or governance goals. It's actually set shareholder letters to the boards of Apple and Disney and Chevron and question their reasoning in embracing ESG initiatives that it says doesn't necessarily advance business goals. So how has this ETF been doing, you wonder? It's attracted some $315 million in less than a month. Quite a start for a startup issuer and quite in marked contrast to other anti-woke ETFs, they would say. But what are your thoughts on this uh, Strive Asset Management anti-ESG ETF? What do you make of this one, Swapnil? I think the fund manager has definitely achieved the first step or the first hurdle, which is to get people talking about a fund. I mean, you know, ETFs get launched every day. It's it's not a big deal to launch a you know U.S. market ETF. It just joins. Of the thousands which are already there. By adding this dimension, one way is it's just a marketing strategy where all the attention is centered around Strive. I mean, we are talking about it, right? That's marketing publicity. On the other hand, maybe there is a segment of people who have fairly strong views on ESG, not right. just uh, not just a cynical view that ESG doesn't help, but rather a, a more uh, established view that ESG is a distraction and companies should focus on profit. So maybe there is a segment of people uh, and this kind of provides a representation to that view. Right, uh, representing yeah. those voices there. Yes. Yeah. So good first wave when it comes to interest. Strive Asset Management's uh, ETF raised $315 million in less than a month. Do you think that we could see a second or third wave? I mean, uh, based on just this, the popularity of the first one and then the kind of response they got, uh, I think this will this will definitely encourage a new kind of segmentation in ETFs. Right? We have seen it in the in the case of uh, industries where we have seen themes emerging out of ETFs in the last couple of years. But this will take it to a different level because you are able to go on the basis of like you have MAGA, right? The political one, which is an ETF which invests in Republican supporting companies. This I mean, one though is aiming to remove politics from investing. Yeah, so I guess representation will increase and very soon the uh, ETFs under these categories will look like the aisle of, you know, cereals that you see in a shopping mall. (laughs) 50 varieties. (laughs) You pick and choose based on your preference. True. And giving more more options for people who want to not just vote with their feet, I guess. 
people with their wallet. From your reading, why is an ETF like this gaining ground? Two reasons, I feel. One is we have not uh, standardized the ESG parameters and as a result of which pretty much everything is ESG compliant. I mean, you have Coca-Cola discussing climate change. It's the second largest contributor to plastic you know, pollution in the world. And, and, and so, so there is a sense that if everyone talks about it, it is not really a differentiator and hence ESG is not a big theme. Uh, the second is the performance. I think that also is something which is, we haven't seen consistent outperformance of ESG and that is probably why there is a, you're not you're feeling a bit disillusioned about uh, ESG and that indirectly reflects in the popularity of a anti-ESG theme. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it pick up in places like Florida, which has passed a resolution that bars its pension fund managers from actually embedding ESG factors in their investing strategies. For example, do you think it is truly possible to take politics out of investing or out of a business's goal? Yeah, I mean, if you take the whole shareholder activism versus the stakeholder activism, I think the aim is to take it out. But given the sheer amount of influence that CEOs of large corporations hold, I think the reality is that it is very difficult to do that. It's, you know, you have your Zuckerbergs and Elon Musk of the world who have significant influence, not just because of the money that they can give in lobbying, mm-hmm. but by, by decisions that they take of providing, let's say, you know, free internet to everyone. Now, suddenly, Elon Musk's decision to provide Starlink satellites in Ukraine mm-hmm. is, is, I mean, how do you classify that, right? It is, it's, it's crossing into the political boundaries. And yet it is not originating with those ambitions. So I would say it is very difficult to keep them separate. As an investor, if we take a step back, though, as an investor who is interested in doing exactly what Strive Asset Management's US ETF is doing the opposite of, if you, you care about environmental, social and governance factors, how can you spot ESG potential red flags? I mean, red flags today, there are multiple ways. Of course, if you're an active investor, then uh, being present in any of these shareholder meetings is a good place because, right. you know, these kind of issues do surface. We've seen in case of uh, many uh, companies in Singapore itself where environmental issues have been uh, brought to the surface in these meetings. That's one. Second is reading or watching interviews of the CEOs or fund managers. I think that I personally feel is a big contributor. You, you listen to somebody speak for three to five minutes, mm-hmm. you can see the authenticity, you can, you can gauge that, you know, are they really saying what they mean? So, so I think that is the second thing. Even your Reddit forums are, of course, they're full of fake news as well, but mm-hmm. they are also a good place for uh, these kind of information to be shared, which then kind of move into becoming real red flags. Yeah, that, those are good resources, actually. Even I hang out on Reddit, on Substack, uh, reading yeah. and, and looking for those red flags. All right, let's switch gears and venture into the world of commodities. It was a pretty tough week last week. We saw commodities surging by more than 5%. We all know about those OPEC pullbacks, uh, OPEC Plus agreeing to chop oil supply. So the coming days likely to be more challenging territory, some say for raw materials. There are a host of factors to consider, right? Escalating concerns about the Fed's rate hikes, the future of those, China's reopening after a week-long break and potentially sobering commentary from IMF and World Bank annual meetings could all impact prices. So let's put it to you, Swapnil. Where do you see commodity prices heading? Would this be a good time to enter the market? 
I think from a commodities, if you see the performance of just a couple of indicators like your the agricultural commodity or the broad-based commodity index, uh, the DBC, DBA, ETFs, they're still positive for the year. Mm. So I would say first thing is the correction is is the correction is just the spike that we saw because of supply shock and because of you know other factors and that has retraced and that's a good thing because a spike is not sustainable so retracement of that spike is is good the tricky part over here is whether this is driven by liquidity or it is driven by a concern on interest rates and i would personally put that as the main factor of why a simple extension cannot be made that just because prices are down it's a good thing to enter mm-hmm. so i'll i'll explain over here one is the fact that leverage is commonly very high in the commodity space and with high leverage and high interest costs it has a put it puts pressure on the liquidity so if there is illiquidity in the market and that is why there is an unwind happening in the market price is correcting mm-hmm. then it will extend to other asset classes and with increasing interest rates so fed is continuing to raise rates together that can be a combination which does not necessarily mean a time to enter but rather a time to wait and watch because there is more unwinding that needs to happen so anticipating more fluctuations uh, amid yes. these fears um, possible recession heading our way as well yes all right can you help us understand the relationship between commodity prices and interest rate environments like the ones that we're in now so interest rate environment can affect in two ways one is directly through demand so it can it can just you know suck the demand out and that in turn affects the commodity prices so there is they go in a downward spiral interest rates keep going up demand drops commodity prices start going down uh that's one direct link the second is it affects the uh the appetite of the government balance sheets right so one of the things that is happening because of higher interest rates is the impact on foreign exchange mm. that has an indirect impact on the ability of the government you know reserves which we are seeing across the world so that's an indirect impact but nonetheless a direct correlation between the interest rate and the uh, commodity uh, markets would you say these big movements in the prices of oil and agriculture and minerals uh, over these past couple of years are perhaps the most salient economic development that we should be keeping an eye out on yes absolutely it's it's extremely important not just as a as an investment so this is one of the challenge right as an historically or traditionally Uh, commodities was just an asset class and you could say that yes this is my diversification tool mm. uh, unfortunately it has it has been linked right you saw in 2008 commodity prices crashed because on the back of china consumption they were at a peak and then when the crisis happened everything collapsed today thankfully we don't have that problem so i would say today things are much better than what they were in 2008 in the context of commodity mm-hmm. because the prices have corrected so it's it's definitely a far better position to be in today uh, than 2008 all right from a commodity perspective lots of great information there more than just grains of information i had to throw that pun in let's go for a plot twist now musk's deal for twitter lurching towards yay or nay looks like elon musk is running out of ways to evade that original 44 billion dollar contract to buy Twitter 5420 that share price um if Musk does indeed buy Twitter what could it mean for Twitter's share price in your view I think that decision to buy that has already been priced in and we saw that uh, jump in the uh, in the price of uh, Twitter and it's back to the April uh, levels 
So that I think is priced in. Mm. What is now uncertain is what will he do once he buys Twitter? Make an app called X. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of that one? Apparently, it's going to take on WeChat, Swapnil. Yeah, he's taking on WeChat. So that, I think that will be good for Twitter um, shareholders, definitely. If that does happen, I, I mean, Elon mm. Musk is. I just hope he's he's seen Spider-Man and knows that with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Will it collapse this deal? Will it happen? Um, but I, I don't know if you have read anything about X, you know, because I follow Musk's Twitter page, and in the twists and turns, he said the acquisition of Twitter would speed up the development of this app X by three to five years. So if he does indeed create the next WeChat, what does this mean? I don't think there's anything like WeChat outside of WeChat. So even 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 uh, a direction or even the ambition of of creating something like that would be a positive and and definitely positive for Twitter. Actually, even the monetization one of the compla- one of the like you know challenges with uh, Twitter has been their inability to monetize. Uh, to yeah, monetize. Yeah, and I think that alone is going to be a, a positive because he will help in in monetizing the you know the base that the that Twitter has. I, do you have experience with this WeChat super app? Personally, no, I don't have experience with that. Neither do I. I'd like to know how it works. Actually, this all-in-one multi-purpose platform. But we'll see. We'll see, I guess, if there's more developments in that area. Swapnil, can you give us a piece of Zen on this day where we're celebrating World Mental Health? I'll shout out to two agencies. Personally, I mean, we worked with Minds last year at SMU in a project. And uh, this year we are working with WeCare. So uh, these are agencies that work on mental health issues. I think that's one. And and then I, the, the song that I have, which is... Um... That describes markets. <laughs> What's on your playlist? Uh, which is October. Uh, it's not a very popular song, but it's a really nice song. It's October by U2. And uh, I think there there is a message for investors, which is, you know, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, but you just go on. Oh, um, I like that. The markets go up and down, but, you know, you stay on invested and and hope to make money. Oh, I like that. Wonderful alternative <laughs> indie sort of weaving in a message of resilience. Swapnil, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank For you. that piece of Wealth Zen as well. He's founder of Wealth Zen, adjunct mentor, Singapore Management University, Swapnil Mishra there. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.